Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the Word. Today's message is brought to you by our lead pastor, Tim Brooks. Turn to Luke chapter 10. I hope you're there. I am absolutely loving this series on Jesus' parables. Uh, Josh and Paul and I are doing. This is just what we like to do, if you can't tell. This is, this is our thing now. Uh, we, and by the way, we're following an order that's in the book we have out in the foyer called Practically Speaking. It's a book out there on Jesus' parables and on the Sermon on the Mount. So we're following the order of that book. So this is our third lesson. So we're in chapter 3 of Practically Speaking as Jesus is in Luke chapter 10 teaching the parable. The parables are Jesus' stories that illustrate deep spiritual truths. And to teach a spiritual truth, Jesus uses real life daily examples to illustrate deep spiritual truths. So, chapter 10, here we go, verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. When he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him to take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. This parable does not call the Samaritan good. We refer to this as the good Samaritan because what he did was good. And most everybody, if you've been in church for very long, you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan. Most preachers preach the story of the Good Samaritan and says, now, we should be nice to people and we should help people. While that is very true, surely that's not all Jesus is telling us here. I teach my dog to be nice to people. So, okay, so let's, let's look at this for just a minute. I mean, it's, that's a good story, and we need to be nice. That's, everybody should be nice. But now let's look at the story of the Good Samaritan, and let's see what Jesus is saying. Now, this is real Bible study right here. If you don't like Bible study, you're not going to like this at all, because this is Bible study. Verse 30, Jesus replied with a story. Stop, whoa, whoa, stop, 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 stop. When you read that, you don't read on. You, you can't understand, you can't even begin to understand the parable unless you know what he's replying to. So let's don't read this parable and teach a Sunday school lesson on being nice to people. Jesus replied, he replied to what? Okay, verse 25. One day... An expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus, ask him this question. Okay, now, now underline this, write this down in your notes. Here's the question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? 
Okay, you can't understand this parable unless you understand Jesus is answering that question. Well, what's the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, well, you just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, all your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. You got it. Do that and you'll live. Well, okay, hold on. The man wanted to kind of justify his actions. So he's, well, who is my neighbor? Okay. Now, let's look at this. Verse 25, an expert in religious law, he's not even, here's an expert in religion is not sure how to get saved. Well, we got a problem right here. So I like Jesus. Okay, well, how do you see it? All right, well, he, he gives us the best that religion has to offer. Well, you love God and you love your neighbor. Okay, well, let's think about this. Love your neighbor as yourself is second because that is impossible to do if you don't first love the Lord your God with every part of your being. You're not ever going to be able to love everybody else if you can't love God first. The carnal-minded Christian is not capable of loving people like this. So no sense in saying love your neighbor until you've got love the Lord your God with everything in your being first. We're just naturally selfish. Okay, so the expert in religious law, I got to get out of this. I'm in over my head. I am, Jesus, more than I can handle here. I got to get out. Well, who's my neighbor? You know, let me just throw out a question here. Okay, Jesus answers with this story. All right, now the key to understanding what we're about to look at is you have to remember the question. What is the question? How do I inherit eternal life? So what we're about to do here is explain the plan of salvation. That's what's about to happen. Jesus is going to answer the plan of salvation. Now, let's dive into this, but we first have got to identify some things. What is a Samaritan? Is everybody familiar with that term? What is a Samaritan? A Samaritan was a half-breed. He was a half-Jew and a half-Gentile. So a Samaritan was a half-breed. Why were they despised? Well, because they weren't Jew and they weren't Gentile. The Jews didn't like the Gentiles. Gentiles didn't like the Jews. So he's he's a despised Samaritan because he's a half-breed. Because the light's starting to come on. Who else is a half-breed? Jesus is both what? Man and God. He's all man, but he's all God. So Jesus is the Samaritan. See, he is the half-breed here. He's all man. He's all God. Jesus is a Samaritan. Okay, who's the certain man? Who is the certain man that fell among the thieves? Well, that was Adam. Adam was robbed and stripped and beaten and left. The man, a Jewish man, that was God's man, Adam, he was traveling, most translations say down, from Jerusalem to Jericho. Okay, Adam, where did Adam originally come from? God, in heaven, and he's, Jerusalem is always an example of heaven, 
When you talk about Jerusalem, we're talking about heaven. So this certain man traveling from heaven down to Jericho, the example of earth, that's Adam, came to earth. Jerusalem was about 13,000 feet above sea level or above Jericho. And so it was traveling down. So Adam has come from heaven. He's coming down to earth and he is beaten. Who beat him? The thief, the bandits. Anybody know John 10, 10? Who is the thief? The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So who is the thief? The thief is the devil. All right, the devil, the thief, verse 30, beats him and leaves him half dead. You know, half dead is a lot like half pregnant. I don't know if you ever thought about that. That's a little weird. You either are or you ain't. You're not halfway. You're either dead or you're still alive, but you're not. It's, kind of, it's just like being pregnant. Well, I'm sort of half pregnant. Well, yes or no here. All right, so it's weird. The guy's half dead, except that's exactly what happened to Adam, wasn't it? Genesis 2 and 3, we know that God said, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Adam ate of it, sin entered, but he didn't kill over and die. Well, or did he? Okay, he died a spiritual death. So Adam was dead spiritually, but he's alive physically. So Adam is the guy beaten by the devil and left half dead. There's where man is, half dead. Alive physically, but dead spiritually. Here's the condition of man. Satan, the bandit, we know John 10, 10, verse 30, stripped him of his clothes. Okay. Adam, we know, was created with, he was clothed with the robe of righteousness. What happened, what was the very first thing that happened when they entered, sin entered? Oh no, they looked and saw they were naked. Well, how, what, they became self-conscious, what happened? They lost the robe of righteousness that clothed them. So the devil destroyed the robe of righteousness that Adam was in. Verse 30, stripped of his clothes, beat him, half dead, stripped of his clothes, poverty, beat him physically, sickness in his body, half dead, death, the works of the devil, kill, steal, destroy. Right here we see the works of the devil, what he did to mankind. All right, let's go on. Verse 31 and 32. The priest and then the temple assistant, or your translation says the Levite, so in the Old Testament, we had the priest who were the ones that offered the sacrifices for us. The Levites were the ones that taught the law. So the priest represent the order of the sacrificial offerings. The Levites or the temple assistants were those that instructed us in the law. All right, so we got the, the, the priest and the law. They were on the other side of the road from where man was. See, man is in need and they couldn't go where man was. 
They could not bring salvation to him. The law was perfect. Man was imperfect, and so perfect can't cross over there. So they're on the other side of the road. Man in his sin, the law was good. The sacrificial system was good, but it could not bring healing and deliverance and salvation to mankind because on the other side of the road. Note the word, verse 31 and verse 32, passed by. And that's what was happening. All through the old covenant, it was passing us by. It was there. The priests were praying for me. The Levites were teaching me, but it was passing me by because I was half dead in my sin. I couldn't do anything about my spiritual condition. Hebrews explains this. It says the first covenant was very limited. It's very limited in what it could do. Jesus came in the flesh to deal with a spiritual problem of mankind. And you've got to always know this. When people are saying, well, what about this religious teacher? What about Buddha? What about Muhammad? What about Reverend Moon? What about the... They may have some good ideas, but there's a sin problem. See, they may have some good ideas, but there is, I'm on the other side of the road, and I got to have somebody come over here where I am and do for me what I can't do for myself. And these other religious ideas and religious teachings, while they may have some good merit in themselves, they can't address where I am in my dead state. They don't address that. So a great other, I mean, I'm not against all those other religions. That's just wonderful. They just don't get you to, what's the question? How do I go to heaven? Those are great, great religious teachers. They won't get you to heaven. See, the answer to eternal life is only found in the half-breed, in the Samaritan who, see, man was in a ditch with a spiritual problem. And all religious attempts pass us by. That's where we are. Okay, verse 33. Jesus walks across the road to where man was. Jesus is the only one that has ever been able to go to the source of the problem. He is the only one. All other religious attempts pass us by. Jesus crosses the road and the only one that can go to the source of the problem. Now, it's very interesting. That word despised, the despised Samaritan, is the same word as in Isaiah 53, verse 3, where Isaiah is prophesying about the coming Messiah and he says he will be despised and rejected. Very same word as Jesus uses right here about this Samaritan. Same word right out of Isaiah 53, 3. Now, how many times do we read in the Gospels that Jesus felt compassion and went over to this person and healed them? I mean, over and over and over when we read Jesus, he felt compassion. He felt compassion. He felt compassion for them. So here is this Samaritan who is despised 
according to the prophecy in Isaiah 53, 3, he goes over to the man and has compassion for him. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Verse 34, going over to him. Jesus didn't walk by us. He didn't walk on the other side. He didn't pass us by. He came over to us. While we were yet a sinner, Christ. See, he, you didn't find Jesus. He came for you. See, he found you. You just acknowledged him at some point, but you didn't find Jesus. He came looking for you. He came to seek and save those that were on the other side of the road, half dead. The law couldn't come over to us. The priests and their sacrifices couldn't come over to us. Okay, another word I want you to look at, verse 31 and in verse 32. By chance, a, sir, look at, look at this. By chance, a priest. Verse 32, most translations say, by chance, a Levite. By chance. See, that wasn't God's original plan. This was an afterthought. See, by chance the Levite came, by chance the priest came, verse 33. There's no by chance with this Samaritan. He didn't by chance happen down this road. He was on a journey. He was on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was on a journey from heaven to the other side of that road looking for that man. He didn't by chance happen by. The others were by chance. Here was God's plan. That Samaritan determined where he was going when he left Jerusalem. When he left heaven, he came here on a mission. Jesus came. He saw man. He came to the side of the road that we were on. He didn't stand over here. He came on the side of the road that we were on and had compassion for lost beaten, stripped, wounded mankind. I mean, could you imagine how Jesus felt his days on earth, seeing what the devil was doing and had done to mankind? The hurt, the pain, the poverty, the wounds stolen from. Jesus came on a journey from a place where there was no sickness, no poverty, no wounds, down to where we were. Are you loving this? I, I'm, I have, I'm having a ball. I love this kind of stuff. All right, here we go. Verse 34. Going over to him. Now, you got to always know that. You didn't come to Jesus. Jesus came to you. Going over to him. Why? Because it was impossible for us to go to him. It, it was impossible. We couldn't go there. Now, my favorite verse in the Bible, and yours, your favorite verse in the Bible, is Matthew 27, verse 51. Make sure you know your favorite verse in the Bible. Matthew 27, verse 51 is your favorite verse in the Bible. It says, at that moment, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. See, the law couldn't tear that veil for us and give us access to God. See, the veil of the temple was the curtain that separated us from the presence of God. Now, the priest could go in there once a year and talk to God for me, but they never tore that curtain and said, come on in. See, the law never tore that curtain and said, you, come, here, you can talk to God for yourself. All right, 
Jesus tore that veil. See, he did what by chance the priest and the Levites couldn't do. Verse 33, a despised Samaritan on a journey, verse 34, went over to man who could not help himself. Okay, let's go on. Verse 34, oil, when you read oil in the Old Testament at this time, they oiled old leather and it gave new life to it. That, that was the way they kept their, their, those skins that they haul their water, their canteen. You oil those and it keeps new life in it. So all through the Bible, oil is always an example of new birth. Oil is always an example of new life. Wine is an example of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. When you read the wine, you're, go, you're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. So we've got salvation, the oil, the Holy Spirit, the wine, and he, I, I, I just love this. He put him on his donkey. Yeah, this is just key. You get saved, you get the Holy Spirit, and you don't have to travel on your own. He's going to put you on his donkey. He's going to put you on his donkey. You don't have to go on your own power. He didn't pat you on the head and say, now get up and go on your merry way. Here, I've saved you. Let me rub a little oil. Let me rub a little salvation on you. Let me rub a little Holy Spirit on you. Now, get up and go live life on your own. No, no, no. I'm going to put you on my donkey. You don't have to make a living under your own power. You don't have to try to stay married. You don't have to raise kids. You don't have to, do, you, you don't have to live life on your own. He puts you on. Jesus provides a new birth. The Holy Spirit is given by God. And now you don't have to travel through life on your own. Okay. He takes him where? To the inn. Okay, well, we better look up the word in. What is the definition of the word in? The definition of in is a public dwelling place. In Greek, the word in means to receive, accept, to take whoever comes in. Receive whoever comes in. The in is the church. The inn is the church that welcomes whosoever will. And it took care of him. The ministry of the church is to nurse people who have been saved, who have been set free, who have received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then draws them to church. Say, okay, Jesus brings you new birth. After new birth, the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit draws you to a church. Uh, draws you to a church. The innkeeper is the Holy Spirit. Okay, you remember John 14. Jesus told his disciples, they got all worked up about him leaving, and he said, look, I'm not gonna leave you comfortless. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit who will take care of you. Okay, the innkeeper here, the Holy Spirit is going to take care of you. When I come again, K 
Okay, are you following me? When I return, church, this Samaritan's coming back. This Samaritan is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to take care of the tab, whatever's left undone. Okay, well, hold on. We're not done. We're not done. Hold on just a minute. B- verse 35. Now, what does he give the guy? Now, we've got we to put our thinking caps on. You've got to know Scripture. Two silver coins or two pence. Okay, what was one pence? What was one pence? One pence was one day's wages. That was what one pence was. It was a day's wages. Okay, two pence would be two days' wages. So the scripture that comes to my mind is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, a day to the Lord is like a thousand years. Two pence is what? 2,000 years. Strong indication about how long it's going to be before he comes back. By the way, what year is this? Now, we're not putting any time on it because Jesus didn't know. He said, I will pay you whatever is left over. But in Jesus' mind, the age of the church is going to be around 2,000 years. So we are in now that 2,000-year mark, and he's not coming back. There's some time left over, and Jesus says, I'm going to take care of that when I return, but we're seeing the laying out of the Samaritan coming back again. Okay. Why did Jesus tell us this? Because he's answering a question on how do I inherit eternal life? And in this story, Jesus teaches us, he reveals the entire plan of salvation in this story. He shows Satan beating Adam, stripping mankind of his righteousness, the robe of righteousness, our right standing with God. He left mankind half dead, alive physically, dead spiritually, the religious system with the priest and the Levites, they're on the other side of the road from where the condition of man was. They, they were perfect. They were good. They were perfect in every way. They just couldn't reach man's condition because man was imperfect and perfect can't coexist. So they're, they, they couldn't cross over. Man half dead couldn't help himself spiritually because he was dead spiritually. Jesus comes from heaven down to where we live, crossed over to where we live, ushers in new birth, new life. He gave us a second birth. This guy is born again, gives us a new chance in life, sets us on his donkey. We don't have to travel through life on our own strength. He will carry us. Then Jesus hands us, born again, to the church. The church tends us and keeps us until he returns. The whole plan of salvation. Jesus comes to you in your mess. And 
if we went around and just said, when did you meet Jesus? When did you really give it all, bow your knee, and come to Jesus? Some of you in your car, some of you driving down the road and just saying, I'm at the end. God, I need you. Some of you were by yourself in the woods. Some of you were in jail. Some of you were maybe ODing in a crack house, laying there on the floor saying, God, I got, I got to have you. God, if you're out there, I need you. Where were you? Some of you were in a bar. I've got a good friend. He was a drummer in a bar. And a lady walked in the back door, walked right up to the stage and said, Jesus loves you. And turned around and walked out that bar. And he met Jesus in a bar. In a bar. Maybe you were in a hospital bed laying there after being in a horrible situation and saying, what I'm doing isn't working. I'm half dead. My life is not working. I, I'm a mess here. I don't know. But you encountered Jesus. Half dead on the side of the road, you encountered Jesus. The Holy Spirit then drew you to a church. You left that situation and you said, I got to get in a church. I, I've got to go to church. And so you came into a church and now the church begins to work on your wounds and seeing you healed. Begin to work on your hurts and seeing you delivered from those. See, the church begins to nurture you in to life in the kingdom of God. Just make a side note here. We never see the one that Jesus saved leave the inn. Look at that. We don't read. After he got better, then he left the inn and went out and did his own thing again. We never read about this guy ever leaving the inn. You stay here until I return. You stay right here until I return. You won't ever get enough of church to, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Now, let me just, all right, good deal. I'm bandaged up. I'm, I came in here, and I was hurting, and boy, I'm feeling better about myself. And we see it all the time. People come to church and get to feeling better about themselves, and then they're back in the, what are you doing? That life was so miserable for you, it destroyed you, and you forgot how bad it was. All you remember is how the fun you had, and what are it, what, uh, you went, what? We don't ever see the guy leave the inn. You stay right here until I return. You stay right here until I return. Can anybody give Jesus the Good Samaritan a hand clap? Y'all stand with me. You know, you may be just like the expert in religious law. I mean, you know all about God, but you don't have a clue how to get eternal life. You don't have a clue how to get eternal life. Maybe right now you're half dead. Maybe you're laying in the ditch, beaten, stolen from, whipped. Right here, right now, you can have that encounter with the Good Samaritan. Right now, when you go home, you can, in your own home, you can kneel down at the edge of your bed and you can have that same encounter 
with the Good Samaritan. That's available to those that are half dead. That's available to those who have been beaten, robbed, and stolen from. That Good Samaritan is still right here, and he wants to cross over to the other side to where you are. The Good Samaritan is right here. He sees you in your, your broken state. And he wants to cross over to the other side. If that's you, I need you, Good Samaritan. I need you. Jesus is the Good Samaritan. And he came for you. He crosses over to you. He doesn't leave you half dead, wounded, broken, and stripped. He comes to you. Puts the oil on you. Puts the wine on you. Sets you on his donkey and then he'll bring you back to this church for you to be discipled and taught. Father God, we thank you for your plan of salvation. Thank you for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Thank you for yet while we were sinners, while we were beaten, stripped of our robe of righteousness, half dead on the other side of the road, thank you for coming and rescuing us. Lord, tonight we lock arms with your church. We submit ourselves to the innkeeper. Holy Spirit, we're committed to you in this church for you to take care of us, guide us, nurture us along the way. We honor you tonight and we say thank you, thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the CMC podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.